Now, as we always do, let's get to the fan focus. All right, we're start off, start off with Nick and Dustin on the Browns Seahawks game and what they're expecting this weekend, whether or not they're expecting a win. If they do win, I think we're going to have to put together some of the tropes that have started to come up over the last two weeks about concerns about sustainability of ugly wins and being able to continuously win these games. It doesn't mean they're literally going to win every ugly matchup, but without your starting quarterback, if you if you have San Francisco at home and then Indy, who's a kind of middle-of-the-road matchup but, but can be a tougher matchup, especially with the way they play, uh, and then you go to Seattle, who people think is a playoff team, if you get this win, I'm sorry, like, I, I think the doubting of whether it's real or not goes the way of the dodo. Because I think it's real, and then it just becomes, well, okay, can you win 75% of these games, or can you win 50% of these games? I don't know that this weekend necessarily stamps down whether or not this team and this thing is for real. I think how you win matters, for sure. I think ultimately, though, we're just going to know. We're going to know that P.J. Walker isn't that guy, and I think it's going to just sit in the back of our brains. Now, if Deshaun Watson can come back and be ready to go against Arizona and we can put that all behind us, then who cares how we went 3-0 and in the P.J. Walker era as long as we go 3-0? and Hell, I don't even care if Deshaun Watson's out for an extended period of time. If P.J. Walker just continues to win football games, then not bothered by it in the slightest bit. We might do a case study on it later on and be like, how did he win so many games being so bad at quarterback? But, yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot to say about this Browns team if we move to 5-2 and two for sure. I don't think there's anything definitive, though, that can come out of this weekend. I think if they look awesome, we're still going to say, I don't know about this team. I don't know. They're great defense. I don't know about this offense, though. You can't have that bad quarterback play and continue to move forward. And on the other side of it, if they look bad and get their teeth kicked in, we're going to be like, of course it happens. Defense can only be good for so long. Geno Smith is not a scrub. And on top of it, P.J. Walker is just P.J. Walker. How the Browns respond to both is what I'm interested in. We're going to have a, uh, a reaction regardless because unless they just punt on the Cardinals game, which makes no sense at all, they're going to make a move one way or another before the deadline, I would imagine. And not making a move, by the way, also counts as a move. Oh, man, I, next week's going to be wild. All right, next up, Ken and Lima on Scary Movies. I think that Nightmare on Elm Street is still the scariest movie I've ever seen. The original. Is it is it because there are like the jump moments or whatever? Yeah, the it's, jump scares. Yes, it's um, but because it's in Ohio. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it. And my mom, my mom, famously had terrible taste in movies. She had great taste in music, which is odd. Usually, I have good taste in both. She had terrible taste in movies, and she she made it out to be the worst of the worst movies terrifying movies ever like she said she slept with a light on for the next month after that movie came out and my aunt like made me watch it with her and her boyfriend when i was little and it was just the worst experience i've ever sat through in my entire life and then she made me watch phantasm like the next week and that was also one of the worst experiences I why ever was that a bad experience because i don't i'm a little kid i'm a four-year-old kid i didn't like scary movies anthony it's 1990 i was not a fan of scary movies <laughs> And I'm sitting there. I might have been three. It might have been still the 80s. And my aunt, yes, my aunt who was, I told you, skiing in my neighbor's driveway or her neighbor's driveway then would come home and, let's watch it. Let me bring my boyfriend over and we're going to watch Nightmare on Elm Street. And Kenny, you're going to watch it. I'm like, what? No, I don't want to watch this. I'm terrified. Nope, made me watch it. 
I don't like scary movies is the confession I'm going to make for you guys. I don't like them. I'm not into them. The only scary movie franchise that I'm into, though, okay, there is one, and I think it's one that I think it transcends. Do you know what it is? Have I told you what it is, Jax? Saw. Yeah, Saw. Yeah, you remember. Yeah. It's the only ones I'll watch. Only ones I'll watch. I love them. I think they're so well done. I don't know why I love them, because when you look at Rotten Tomatoes, they get horrible Rotten Tomato scores. Like, like, nobody likes them, apparently. I thought everyone liked them. Want to play a game? It's fun. I don't know. Whatever. Nobody likes them, apparently. I I love them. I think they're awesome. But it's the only scary movies I want to do. Uh, my wife, you know, she's my wife for a reason. When she saw me watching Saw, she's like, who did I marry? This is not you. You don't watch these type of movies. I don't know. I got a soft spot for Saw. I like the Saw movies. I think it's because they're they're... It's not like they're great acting or anything like that, but the concepts are good. It's a game with high stakes. Like, it does, um... Oh, what's the... What's the Netflix one that came out that was really popular last year that was dubbed over? Um, they're making that... They're making it into an actual game. Squid Games. Squid Games, thank you. Does that count as a scary movie? There's a lot of death in that movie. I'm a lot of death in that movie. Does that count as a scary movie? I don't think so. Because, I mean, it was a series, but that was awesome. I don't think it counts either, but that's a lot of death, though. It's a lot of death. That kind of reminds me of Saw, though, in that, like, it's just well done. There's also an element of game, gamemanship involved to it, and clearly, I host a sports talk radio show, so clearly there's something about games that I enjoy, right? I like the win-loss aspect of it, and anytime you're going to throw a win-loss aspect into uh, you either live or you die, you got to talk about high stakes, like Barry Bonds never, okay? He never, he never went through that. Worst thing that happened to Barry Bonds is he struck out. Didn't lose his life over a strikeout. Oh, man, now I'm coming up with different concepts. Not involving Barry Bonds, but involving, like, what if you did, like, a softball game where all the losers die? You telling me? Now, that's too gruesome for real life. But are you telling me if they made a movie about that and that's not, like, a big seller? It's probably a big seller. I always bring up the uh, the NFL version, right? Like, fate of the universe. Fate of the universe is on the line. Who's my starting quarterback in that game? Patrick Mahomes is my starting quarterback in that game. Now turn that into a Saw franchise, and here we go. I hate scary movies, though. I really do. I hate them all. I, except for Saw. And I guess Squid Games, but it doesn't count. All right. Baskin and Phelps on the ref situation. If they're going to review every play, and they've got to buzz down to stop play, that doesn't mean they're going to buzz down on every play. And if there's any kind of, like, anything that might be like, you know what, let's just look at it. Let's make sure we got it right. I don't have a problem with that. Get it right. I am with you. I, I want it right. I want it fast. Like, that's that's the big thing. I hate the last two minutes of NBA games, or, or last even five minutes of NBA games, where it just takes forever when they go to replay. And the, and the referee walks over and goes, click, we are now going to replay to see if that was a goaltend for blah, blah, blah. And then we have 18 different angles of it. We're all kind of they standing around looking up, at though. each other. They've jazzed like, it up with the official coming over. And now right, and, you look in the computer speaker and you're like, oh, look, we're having a FaceTime. Yes, exactly. Hey, I'm FaceTiming with Tony Brothers. Wow. <laughs> like, like, I get that. But, like, that's the part of it is then you get this five to ten minutes of everybody kind of standing around as we look at this and go, the ruling on the field is that, or the floor is that it was a flagrant two. Like, 
That's what I want to avoid. I want but are to avoid they getting it right? Are they getting it right? That's my question. They are. So for the integrity of the game, how long do you want to sit there and wait for it? I'm with Menigan. I, I can't. I know it's only once a week, so this is different than the NBA, and this is different than baseball, let's say. It's once a week, so we can wait as long as we need to wait in order to make sure that the calls do get right. But I can't wait all night. I can't. I'm not. I'm, football's not a, a four-hour sport for me, okay? I love football. I'll watch football for 13 hours. I get it, but I we got to keep these things moving. I'm not saying you got to really hurry up and, and put us in a, a, a pace of play where you know, it's it's what baseball just did. We can ease into a, a baseball game in a nice way, but or a football game a nice way, but we we can't we can't have interruptions for five minutes at a time to try to figure out the right play and the right call. It's just it is a it is a fun burglar. It just zaps the fun away from the entirety of the event, and that's ultimately what we can't have. It's not about four hours. We can do four hours if it's four hours of awesome excitement. We can't do four hours if half of the four hours are spent debating was this the right call or not. And that's what ba- that's what baseball tried to avoid. That's what basketball has failed to try to avoid. And that's what football is currently dealing with. Plus, I think they like the confusion of it all. And I, I think they like us talking about these things after the fact. There was no other big talking point after that uh, that Saints playoff game where the refs blew it. I mean, it, 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 Saints fans held parades about the refs blowing it. I, I think they low-key, they like the dysfunction of it all. All right, next up. Nick and Dustin include me, yes, me, in a Friday fit. I would never do this in the morning and midday show because they can't defend themselves here. We'll do it at a later date. Um, but I was listening to the night show the other night, and I might have texted you guys, Peter Lim makes his uh, Friday Fails debut. But I just want to have a debate on it and a discussion on it because I genuinely, I don't know where you guys stand. I only know where I stand. And I feel like a lot of the fan base is conflicted, but I, I haven't gotten the sense that there's that much Emotional latitude. That's not for a word. the Browns here. That, that's not a word. All right. Lagi- so latitude is not a word. I didn't know. Is it latitude or like I? I because it sounds like a, another word, kind of close to it. Like I. Well, at la- first there I is latitude. It, well, yes, but but I don't even know that emotional latitude is something either. But emotional latitude sounds like something I wouldn't want to have, or maybe I would want to have. Dustin, do you have emotional latitude? Uh, latitude, yes. Longitude, You're a big no. latitude guy. You're the latitude guy on the show. Well, that's yeah, that's why I'm here. Um, here's the thing. Anytime you have a three-second pause before you say an expression or a word, that's a pretty good. It's a pretty good indication that you're about to say something that could end up on this show. And uh, I, I stand with Peterlin. That's all I'm going to say is I think Peterlin it has emotional latitude, whatever it is. And I hope one day my kids will look back on me at my funeral and say, Papa, he had emotional latitude. Well, you'll never know. Well, no, but that's, I, I, that's why I'm hoping. That's the best part. Like, I'll never even going to ask them because then they'd be like, oh, Nat, no, Dad, you do not have emotional latitude. And I'd be crushed. Yeah, I remember the moment. Do you remember the moment? Not surprised that one made it. Ugh. I was going for latitude. I do remember the just in a complete moment of honesty. I remember sitting there and then thinking of emotional and then uh, having nothing to have the back end of that. And then I went for emotional latitude. It came out latitude because I think in my mind I was like, latitude is not 
I don't know that that works. It does work, by the way. It does. But I don't, in my mind, I remember thinking it doesn't work. And then that came out. I, embarrassing. I don't know. And then, and then you think to yourself, you're like, I can stop and we can just, we can address this, this mistake, which is what I usually do. But no one needed to hear me try to figure that one out. That was just a, that was a disaster. And that was, it was a train wreck. And so, uh, thank you to the Friday Fails. It was not my debut appearance on there either, by the way. That is number, that is time number two on the Friday Fails. I hope to make it a third time at some point soon in the future. I like being included. Although, I don't love that they were like, hey, well, I wouldn't do this to the, the midday in the morning because they can't defend himself and then do it to me where I was not in position to defend myself. So I have to bring it up here now to defend myself. Even though I did a horrible job. I, if I was my own defense attorney, I would fire me on the spot because that was not a defense. That was just an admission of guilt and how bad I was in that moment. All right, last up, it's Ken and Anthony. Two of them discuss Ohio State, Michigan, and the whole scandal. I can't believe I'm the one taking this side of things. You know, I, I love to call you out on the carpet for the Ohio State stuff, and you, I'm willing to give them more quarter than you have. I, I say, boy, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I think there's an asterisk next to those wins. An, yes, an, me. An, I'm saying An asterisk? I think there's an For them to do that poorly against TCU, but to do that well against everybody else, I feel that there should be an asterisk next to those wins. I'm not saying that for effect. I can't do that because all I've heard is basically all these coaches, you go to footballscoop.com, every coach from every big program in the country says we were stealing signs too. I know they've done it differently at Michigan. So you blame Ohio State for losing those games? uh, Well, yeah. I mean, they, they were terrible in the trenches. I want to talk about this when we come on back. Two one six four seven four to below 92. Is there an asterisk next to the Ohio State losses to Michigan? I got a strong beliefs on this one. We'll do it when we come on back off the beaten path at 940. We'll get to the Cavs when they wrap up as well. It's overtime with Jonathan Beatle here with you on the fan.